Are you in a leadership role trying to figure out how to convince others to change their mind? Have you ever wondered why is leading and influencing others so darn hard? Are you looking for practical answers to these two vital questions? If so, welcome to my podcast, Closing the Gap with Denise Cooper. I'm your host, Denise Cooper, and I am a storyteller. I interview thought leaders and people just like you who are learning and practicing the art and expanding on the science of leadership. Listen as my guests and I talk about what it takes to be a remarkable leader in the 21st century. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to everyone who is hearing the sound of my voice. I am so excited. As always, I'm excited to interview someone who is this week calls herself a high achiever or maybe a reformed high achiever, A minus personality. And if you've heard me before, you know I talk about A minus personalities because when I was in HR, we really wanted A minus personality kinds of individuals because they were never satisfied. They were always just a hair interested in not having an A minus and always wanting an A plus. And so that leads us into, you know, it's we're coming back to work, it's mid-year, We're trying to figure out what does performance mean? How do we know that we are actually performing acceptable and going to get a good grade when we're at work? That A personality, that that A student, that valedictorian idea that we are going to work, we're going to work as hard as we can, we're going to push it out there. So how do we know that we're going to do that? Well, my guest today, Terry McDougall, is... I don't know. She is an amazing woman who decided as a reformed A minus personality person that she's going to go in, switch careers and work with people in marketing and advertising who were just like her. But for whatever reason, they suddenly realize that what they're doing is paying an awful high price in terms of stress, burnout, health, relationship problems. And they're basically saying, I don't want to do this anymore, but they can't stop. So the question for them is, how do I do it better? How do I do it different? And how do I find that satisfaction? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. Terry, she is a successful executive and career coach and the author of Winning the Game of Work, Career Happiness and Success on Your Own Terms. She works with high achieving business owners and marketing and advertising professionals who are successful, but not satisfied. She helps them increase the overlap between their professional success and their personal happiness. As a fun side, she is also the host of Marketing Mambo. It's a podcast where, as she calls it, she likes to cha-cha chat with marketing movers and shakers from around the globe. And we'll give you all the information on how to connect with her at the end of this podcast. But let me introduce and welcome my fabulous friend, Terry. How you doing? Oh, Denise, it's so great to be here. And thank you for that very generous introduction. I, of course, as as an A minus player, I feel like I'm not sure I can live up to that, but uh, you know that's what drives us A minus players. <laughs> I know, and we're going to talk about what. How do you know you're an A minus player, and you know what does it mean, and what are you sacrificing, but what are you gaining? All those wonderful things. But before we get there, with that introduction, I am absolutely sure that some of my guests really want to know, huh? How did you go from 
executive, high profile executive in marketing and advertising, 30 years in marketing and advertising, 15 years leading the function. And now you want to help other people find a balance between success, professional success, and their own personal happiness. Tell us your story. Well, let's see, where do I begin? You know, I worked in marketing pretty much right after I got out of college. I was an economics major. My first job was with a publishing company. I worked in the advertising sales department as an assistant to the salespeople. I do feel like I was really fortunate before I started interviewing that my boyfriend's mom said, before you interview, read this book, What Colors Your Parachute, and do all of the exercises and make sure that you get started on a path that's a good fit for you. That's I'm so thankful for that. And I, I will say that that's probably one of the most important things bits of information or advice that I got in my entire career. And it's guided me because certainly when I was getting out of college, I was thinking about, I want a job that pays more than $5 an hour. Like I was making at the library at college. (laughs) Uh, So I was just hungry to get a job, but starting realizing that I was a creative person that liked to influence and getting uh, a start in the marketing uh, realm was wonderful. And thankfully, it fit me as I moved through my career. And, you know, probably in my late 20s, I ended up taking a a couple years off and going back to business school full time. And when I got out of business school, I got married nine days after I graduated. And then pretty shortly after that, got a job in financial services. I went to work for a large bank in North Carolina in marketing. Mm-hmm. And I found that that was really a great fit for me in terms of the intellectual challenge. Of yeah. I, I worked mostly in the B2B areas of financial services. So just learning about the products and learning how to navigate these large organizations and learning about who were we trying to influence in the marketplace. And, you know, had a really wonderful career, was able to raise a family. I about In the early 2000s, I came here to Chicago from North Carolina and moved into a marketing director role where I was leading marketing for at first investment banking division of the company that I worked for. And I was here and working for the company here in Chicago for 12 years Mm -hmm. and moved around among different businesses. I, I led marketing for three different businesses at that organization and also one of the line functions, which was the event planning, event marketing function for the company. I did that for a year and that was very interesting. But over the course of time, I just kind of realized that I was I was kind of outgrowing what I was able to do within the organization. And I was finding that I wasn't feeling as challenged or satisfied with what I was doing. And, you know, I I think that I had sort of these fantasies bubbling up in me that I, I felt like I wanted more freedom and I wanted to go out and be able to sort of be the captain of my own destiny in a way, in a way. But I also felt I I use this analogy of the way that I felt for probably two or three years before I ended up leaving. I felt like I was I was in an airplane, you know, one of those skydiving airplanes and the the door to the airplane was open and I kept peering out and I really, really (laughs) wanted to jump. I just really wanted to. But, you know, it, there's the safety of right. the big, you know, corporation. Right. And I was paycheck every week. Within it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, every two weeks getting that direct deposit. That's really nice. 
place. And that, that enabled me and my family to do a lot of wonderful things. Yes. And I eventually, well, I was afraid to do it because I really envisioned that I'm going to jump and I'm going to go splat on the tarmac as soon as I jump. But I, I finally had the courage uh, to leave. Quite frankly, I wasn't even, at first I was doing marketing consulting, but I, I actually quickly decided to get a certification in coaching because that was something that I always enjoyed doing mm-hmm. as a leader. And I, to me, it just made a lot of sense to invest in, in the staff on my teams, you know, because mm-hmm. if they did well, I would do well. Mm-hmm. And then there was also just the personal fulfillment of, of seeing people grow and become more confident. I really, really loved that. And, uh, you know, when I, when I was thinking about what do I like to do and what am I good at, you know, outside of marketing, what I realized was that was really my why, you know, even as a marketing director, of course, I liked, you know, developing campaigns that brought in revenue and all of that. But even when I was working with heads of businesses to develop their marketing strategies, it was really that interpersonal connection with those people and knowing that I made a positive difference for them that had the most meaning for me. Mm-hmm. And so making a pivot to being being a coach wasn't actually as big of a, a departure from what I had done before as, as an executive. Yeah, as an executive, because I was I was consulting. I was sitting down with people and understanding their problems and trying to figure out how are we going to get from here to where the goal is yeah. and developing strategies and yeah. working with them along the way. And that's exactly what you do as a coach. So I in 2017, I I made that change, left the corporate world, got trained as a, a certified professional coach and started my own business. And mm-hmm. so I've been doing that for four years and I work with people you know, I do probably a, a large uh, percentage of my clientele are people in marketing and advertising. I do work with people in other functional areas and other industries, but you know, really helping people who they're successful. I say I work with people that are successful but not satisfied. Yeah, helping them to you know kind of get more balance in the way that they use their energy. Yeah. So. Yeah. So many of us, and I, I count myself as, as one of these people, will rev the engine. And sometimes when we don't even have the engine in gear, I'm, and that's, that's tough. That's tough on the engine. That's tough yeah. on us. And we're not really getting the productivity or, or moving forward as efficiently as we can when we're doing that. Yeah. So, so the, you know, the way you talk about it, I would imagine even B or C personality people would say, you know, hey, that's me. And I also know that you recently completed a study of 100 people surveys and got some analysis around that. Mm -hmm. What differentiates Mm -hmm. the A minus or that A personality that that constantly hard driving, got to get it done uh, kind of person, and yet never feeling like they did the best Mm -hmm. job that they possibly could? Mm -hmm. You know, I think that what I what I see, and actually, when I was writing my book, I came across some a study that was done by this professor at Harvard named Tom DeLong, mm-hmm. and he he thinks that high achievers are addicted to external validation. Mm-hmm. And it was it was so interesting when I came across that because a light bulb went on on over my head, and I thought I could really relate to that where you know, whether I was playing sports in, in school or, you know, sitting in math class and, and really wanting to understand what was expected. Like, what do I need to do to win? What do I need to do to get that 
hundred percent plus the extra credit on the assignment. Mm-hmm. For many high achievers, the reason why they are high achievers is because they're very focused on what's expected and they care about that. Mm-hmm. They're going to, you know, if, if somebody raises the bar, they're going to say, okay, how high do you want me to jump to, to get that? They don't, they're not generally put off by rising expectations. They will very often focus so much on the expectations that they lose connection with themselves and Mm -hmm. even whether something's even possible. Mm -hmm. And so I think that what, what can make the difference is that these high achievers believe that they can, can reach that expectation and they're driven to reach that expectation where, you know, maybe the, the B and C players, they might actually be healthier because they, they will accept limitations Mm -hmm. and they may say, well, they might want that for me, but I'm not going to put in the extra time or effort to get that. And I'm okay with being a B player, you know, because there are other things in my life that are important to me and I'm not going to sacrifice that to, you know, get the, the rewards of what I would get if I met these expectations. Yeah. Also, uh, that's an interesting perspective because one of the things you started with is, is that you felt like you were outgrowing your job. And I would mm-hmm. imagine that there are a lot of people right now maybe listening who have put in long hours, done yeoman's work more than amazed because, you know, executives, senior executives are always saying do more with less, do more mm-hmm. with less. And we somehow have been able to produce more with less mm-hmm. with different and, and just hard charging. But now because of the quarantine in a year where we started learning, you know, wait a minute, there's a different way to do this. And I do feel like I might be outgrowing my job or mm-hmm. outgrowing this. So how do I decide what's next then? Yeah, that's, that can be a journey for yeah. sure. And, you know, I, when I'm working with people, I do work with a lot of people who, you know, are questioning that. I often work with people that are sort of at a crossroads who have that sense that they maybe are outgrowing what they've done, or they don't get the same amount of satisfaction from it anymore. And it can be very scary. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, like we've said that, you know, when you trade your time and talents for that, you're getting that direct deposit in your bank account every two weeks. And it can be scary to say, well, if I follow my passion, or if I find something that's a better fit, maybe I'm going to have to give up that or I'm going to be putting myself and my family in a riskier situation. But I really believe that if we take the time that the answer to what we want and what feels natural or exciting to us is there, we just have to listen for it. I think a lot of times we, when we are so focused on meeting those external expectations, that we'll sort of pave over that wellspring of what our true desires are, mm-hmm. because you know that that kind of can get in the way of focusing on external validation. But also, when we pave that over, we disconnect ourselves from meaning and joy in yeah. our lives. Yeah. And you know, so th- that's why I, you know, I t- kind of talk about that trade-off and the sacrifice of you know, the stress and the burnout, maybe relationship or health problems, because we're not paying attention to what our needs are. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny, because I think about it, and I probably was an A minus person too, when I was there. But as a senior HR person, one of the things that we, we I, I feel like A minus people don't hear no, so they always find that way of getting things done. And then suddenly no shows up. Um, mm-hmm. Or 
they've just, as you said, outgrown that particular job, look around and say, wow, I'm better than everyone else. They can't teach me anything here. Mm-hmm. And so you're kind of locked in this place of you're doing the same thing over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, so you got pink paper today, you got yellow paper mm-hmm. next week, mm-hmm. but pretty much, and, and that, unfortunately, that is part of what business is. It is, you know, wash, rinse and repeat, wash, mm-hmm. rinse and repeat Yeah, um, and satisfying the customer. But so I, I need to work. I'm not looking to be an entrepreneur. I want to... This job is not, I'm not unhappy in this job, Mm -hmm. but it's not satisfying to me Yeah, Yeah. in terms of where I'm going. What, what would you tell somebody who, in my opinion, what it is, is that you reach a plateau and then you've got to get to the next level and Mm -hmm. it may be staying in that job, but it also means now, instead of, you know, we had a time where the company or your boss was constantly driving you on what you needed to learn. There's a point when you become a expert in your field where others can't tell you. You have to become mm-hmm. self-motivated in your learning. Yeah. Do you think that's true? Do you find yeah, that with I, I, people? Yeah, I, I do. And I think that there's there's a couple things that I've observed with the people that I've worked with when they've sort of gotten to that crossroads where they're okay. they're kind of questioning, like, have I outgrown this? Do I want to do something different? And there's two things that I see. You know, I when I work with people in a coaching environment, I think that if if we want change, there's two things that have to happen. First of all, we've got to shift to a mindset of possibility. Okay. You know, a lot of times we will, you know, maybe be a little negative or defensive. And that's very natural because it, it protects us from disappointment. You know, when we say to ourselves, like, I'm not sure if I can have that, or maybe this is as good as it gets. Mm-hmm. But when we're in that mindset, nothing new can really happen, right? Because we're not open to it. Yep. yep. Yes. So if you, if you shift to the mindset of possibility and then really look at, okay, if I can get clear on maybe what a goal might be, Mm -hmm. what are some of the things that I need to do to get there? Are there, is there information that I need? Are there skills that I need to develop? I've seen it where you know, people will come and they're, they're talking to me about their pain and the problems that they have at work. And we uncover a few maybe skill deficits that they need to, or, you know, some self-awareness around how they're showing up. And we work on that. And all of a sudden they are getting the results that they want in their current job. And so they fall back in love with their job because they're having the impact that they wanted all along, but they didn't know what they were doing that, that they needed to change. Yeah. I've also seen where people, you know, they do confirm that, yeah, this isn't a good fit anymore. And they start to really look at themselves and say, what are the skills that I want to use? Much like I did, you know, where I was saying, you know, I really like coaching. And the reality is, is that it's the same skill set I used as a marketing director to develop marketing strategies. It's just I'm doing it more for individuals or organizations around how to get more potential or, you know, help people live up to their full potential. But when you kind of get a feeling of like, what is it that I want to use of myself? What are the skills that I want to use? If you can get some clarity around that and then start to imagine where might I do that? Mm -hmm. And I think that what stops a lot of people at that point is they're like, well, how do I know what I don't know? Right. I I mean, you know, I think particularly for high achievers, we've been doing it all ourselves anyway. So the thought of asking someone else to help us really isn't something that comes top of mind. It's, and, it's scary. It can yeah. be really and so scary. 
how do you, you know, like, first of all, you know, what happens to, can you describe what happened to you when you suddenly realize that, you know what, this, this isn't, as, I've outgrown this and it's not mm-hmm. as rewarding. How did you feel? What did it, yeah. what did you find help outside of yourself? Well, it was, it was gradual. I mean, for me, it happened over probably two or three years. Okay. You know, I, I was doing fine at work, but mm-hmm. you know, I always think of, of this kind of energy balance where if you're spending about 70% of your time doing things that you really enjoy and that you get fulfillment from, it gives you a well of energy in order to deal with the 30% of things that maybe don't come naturally, or you have to sort of tolerate, you know, Mm -hmm. so for a kind of a creative and people person like me, you know, dealing with some of the bureaucracy, you know, administrative stuff, that kind of thing. You know, if I was spending 70% doing fun, creative, moving the needle, I felt energized to deal with that other 30%. But because of what was going on in the company, there was, you know, some mismatches in terms of the way the company was structured and where resources were there. I was running into a lot of red tape. And so Mm -hmm. rather than it being 70% doing fun marketing stuff and 30% doing the other stuff, it was creeping over. Mm -hmm. So it was getting to the point where I was maybe spending 60% of my, my time I, I think of it as like banging my head against a wall of, of <laughs> stuff that I wasn't getting satisfaction from and less right. and less time doing the stuff that was fun for me. And I think that when that, you know, fulcrum kind of moves over and you're doing less and less of the enjoyable stuff that your satisfaction at work decreases. Right. Now, you know, I mean, you and I both know that there are seasons, right? right. And I definitely had many times in my career where I was like beginning to question, you know, is this the right fit, this job, the right fit for me. And then like some new project would come along and I'd fall back in love with my job or, or some other shift would happen that, Mm -hmm. you know, there was more satisfaction there. But in this case, it, it wasn't shifting back. Mm -hmm. And so I really started thinking about like, okay, what could be next? I, I had some interviews with other companies and I was finding that I wasn't getting that butterfly feeling of like, oh, this is exciting. So I really started thinking more broadly about maybe doing consulting might Mm -hmm. be. And I, um, I, the, I advise people I'm working with to do this. And this is what I did. I was doing a lot of networking and I actually came across someone who had been a PR professional and she had made the shift to become a full-time coach. Yeah. And so, you know, with a marketing background, PR and marketing are similar. And uh, so that, that kind of got me thinking like, well, you know, maybe this could be a good path for me. I wasn't initially thinking that it would be full-time. And, you know, I've had people say to me, like, what do you wish that you'd known at the beginning of your journey? And quite frankly, I'm glad that I did not know more at the beginning of my journey because, because it would have been so overwhelming for me to know how long and sometimes difficult the journey was. But for me to like have this, I mean, it's almost like, uh, you know, if you've ever like gone on a big hike and you can kind of see the type of top of the mountain and you're like, that's not that far away. I, we can do that. <laughs> but then you, you get halfway there and you're like, oh man, there's a lot further to go before. And it's, I get and there. it's steeper than I thought it was. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I definitely had those moments where, you know, I was, I was discouraged, but I was too far along to turn back. And, and I'm so glad I am so, so glad I'm doing what I'm doing, right, but it's right. not, it's not always, it's not always easy. Right. But I've, I actually had a client recently who 
was working in a, a sales role and she actually was really successful at it, but it was draining for her. It okay. really was really draining for her. And she was really discouraged because she, she kind of looked at it and she thought, well, I don't like what I'm doing, but I make too much money and there's no way I can make, you know, a lot of the negative uh, yeah. thoughts. And, and high performers tend to get caught up because they get the bigger raises, they get the more yes. fun jobs, they contribute a lot. They, you, you know, you talked about earlier, the external validation. So people are constantly saying, oh, go to, go to, get, give it to her, mm-hmm. give it to him. Yes. They will get it done. So that's, that's a lot to have to say, I need to try and do a change. Yeah. But the funny, the funny thing about this, and I've seen this a lot, is that once she felt safe enough to start to dream and, mm-hmm. and kind of think like, what would my ideal situation look like? Mm-hmm. And what we actually realized was that if she moved over into customer success, which is sort of like in the area between sales and marketing, that it's, it wouldn't be 180 degree pivot, it would be, you know, maybe a 15 degree pivot, where she'd be sort of in between sales and marketing, Mm -hmm. that she could still leverage her sales experience. And she Mm -hmm. actually has a degree in marketing as well. And um, once she actually got really excited, once she realized that there was a role out there that Mm -hmm she could really focus on that maybe aligned better with her, what she really liked to do. And uh, I encouraged her to find some people in her network that were doing that and have conversations with her. And I I've seen this happen so many times. I mean, I wish I could guarantee this for every person that I work with, but I've seen it happen a number of times is that Mm -hmm. when people shift to that, that positive mindset and they start taking action, she reached out to somebody in her network, confirmed that, yes, this seems like a great fit. The woman said, we are hiring. And the next week she had an interview with the hiring manager Mm -hmm. and she is actually starting her job next week. Oh, great. She didn't even apply for any other jobs. And I've, I've seen this a number of times with people that they, they start doing the networking and they, they start having conversations with people and opportunities arise. Yeah. You know, and yeah. so I, I think it's just so it a matter of, to, you know, from an HR perspective, we don't, many people don't want to admit it, but we still, you know, with all the internet, the Indeeds, the LinkedIn, the monster job boards, still 70 to 80% of jobs are, are they're not posted, right? They're not they're, posted and they're found through contacts. Weak link through networking, yeah. yeah. You know, you and and I love what I what I really love about this is is that you captured. I think what stops so many people, whether you're a high performer, A minus personality, or whatever, what stops us from actually getting to the next level is this: we don't s- slow down enough to think about what the possibilities are. We yeah. don't take ownership for our career, our skills, knowing that we have skills, knowing that we have contributed a lot, and honoring the fact. And we've learned an awful lot in our lifetime that can be mm-hmm. applied in a different way, maybe, but still find mm-hmm. great joy and value and maybe even more financial success, et cetera. But one of the things that I hear, and I don't know about you, but I often hear people will come to me because they feel like they have a boss who doesn't understand them or it's just a bad boss. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, yep. there are a lot of bad bosses out there. Sure. And for yep. creatives in particular, it can be pretty um, onerous mm-hmm. to be with someone who doesn't understand kind of the messiness of creativity. You know, it's yep. 
everyone thinks these ideas get birthed in a linear fashion. Oh, I do this and then I do this and then I do this and then, oh, poof, it's here. But really, creativity is pretty messy, uncertain, and unpredictable. Mm-hmm. And so if you've got a boss who's more focused on, you know, we have a timetable, we've got to get this out, these people have to know, it, for a creative, I've found that can be not terrifying, but it, it's really a problematic. It, it stifles your creativity. You feel like you're in a box. What would be one or two things you would tell somebody who, you know, their work style, they're much more on the creative side to help other people understand how their work flows best, but particularly a boss that, you know, no, you got to do it my way kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah, I think that there's a couple things. And, and one is starting to shift that that desire and need for external validation to mm-hmm. taking ownership of your validating yourself. Okay. Because I, I've seen it so many times where people are so focused on gaining that external validation. And sometimes there are bosses that will use that to manipulate, to coerce. No. And <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, people will say like, oh, I keep jumping higher and higher and they're never giving me the pat on the back. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I just have to say like, there are bad bosses out there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Don't keep putting yourself in a position to be abused, mm-hmm. you know, start putting some boundaries in place, start saying to yourself, what's good enough, right? Because if you keep trying to meet somebody else's unrealistic expectations, you are going to put yourself in a position where you're going to be exhausted and burnt out. And, you know, so having some self-awareness around that. And okay. I think a lot of times that can be difficult for people because they are so addicted to that external validation that it, they feel sort of very vulnerable mm-hmm. when they're not getting it. Mm-hmm. But we have to learn to trust our own judgment right. and our own, you know, kind of thought about what's good enough. Okay. And and particularly also like when we go from, you know, having, you know, maybe early in our career, the biggest thing in our life is our career. And then we get married and have children or have other things going on where we need to split our energy you know, and sometimes there's going to be some conflict there, right? Yeah, yeah. So the first thing would be, don't take it personal, kind of know that you're personally, yeah, know that your boss is. I always, you know, my thought is, is that no one comes to work to be a jerk or a bad boss or a bad person Mm -hmm. in general. So something's getting in the way of the communication. So give people, you know, the benefit of the doubt, be generous with them. And so then the other thing you're thinking about is, or you're saying is, is that looking at myself, what am I delivering? And yeah, and taking responsibility for choices that you make, right? Uh, And maybe putting some boundaries in place to say like, okay, this is probably going to be uncomfortable, because maybe I'm not meeting expectations, but I have to make a judgment about whether I believe that is reasonable. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because we can choose how much Mm -hmm. we invest. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing that I would say is recognize that you know, for the majority of us, we're working in businesses. Okay. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we can sort of have our blinders on looking at our task and realize that a lot of times maybe the pressure your boss is putting on you is about, you know, what's the value that you're delivering for the business, Mm -hmm. you know, and looking at it in a broader context. You know, I always say that there's really just three ways to add value for business. You're either helping them make money, save money or reduce risk. Yeah. if you can tie what you're doing as directly as possible to one of those drivers and talk about that 
in that context, mm-hmm. you're actually going to have a much stronger business case for influencing within the organization rather than talking about something sort of disconnected from those business drivers. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think many people don't ever think about that. They're just coming in and they're like, I'm doing my job. And well, maybe the thing that you're doing isn't actually adding value. Maybe some things need to be changed or you need to connect the dots for your boss. Don't assume that they can read your mind. Right, right. And then, you know, when you were talking about, you know, creative people and I mean, being a creative person working in banking for 21 years, like I did, believe me, you know, a lot of people looked at me like I was, you know, you know, had three heads or something because I'm very future oriented and I'm very, you know, thinking about the possibilities. And there's a lot of people that are looking at spreadsheets and putting stuff in formulas and it's got to come out exactly the same way every time. And that's not what the creative process is about. Mm -hmm. So, you know, recognizing you know, your style differences mm-hmm. and connecting the dots for other people mm-hmm. sometimes can can help them to understand like, oh, now I understand, mm-hmm. you know, because a lot of times I know people just thought that I could kind of snap my fingers and, you know, write a 20 page brochure and, and have it printed like oh, you know, yeah. going to the Xerox machine and just pushing a button. Yeah. They don't realize that, you know, there's a there's a huge process that goes right. in it. I'm not doing everything. I'm engaging agencies and designers and printers. And, you know, there's there's an, a lack of understanding of the the function that I worked in for other people. Yeah. And I can't just assume that they understand that they're you know, they're going out and doing an M&A deals right, right, right. about, you know, marketing. Right, right, right. And and I think that's the hardest thing when we have conversations is how do you have a conversation that says this is what it takes to get the work done without son- sounding like you're whining mm-hmm. and, and putting up excuses that way, well, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, I, I always call it the, uh, you know, there are some managers who are the Captain Kirk leadership style. I'm a Star Trek fan. Sorry, folks. Yeah. <laughs> um, out of it. But one of the things you always hear is, you know, the ship is falling apart. Heart. He calls up Scotty and says, Scotty, I need the engines back on line. He says, well, Captain, mm-hmm. it'll take 10, you know, it'll take me at least three hours. And he goes, you got 20 minutes. And yet Scotty always delivers. Yeah, yeah, he's a, he's a, he's an A plus performer. Yeah, yeah, you know, and he always <laughs> delivers no matter what happens. I need three days. You got an hour, and <laughs> and I think in some ways, you know, when you're particularly when you've done your job a long time and you know kind of shortcuts and you have developed the relationships mm-hmm. necessary that people will kind of turn on a dime. Sometimes when you have a boss and you deliver deliver so fast, we teach them. Mm-hmm that things can get done in a short period of time. And and I think that adds so much stress on ourselves when we do these Herculean efforts to get stuff done on the regular, not just every now and then, but on the regular without having a clear conversation about what else isn't going to get done because my attention is on this here. Yeah, I I think that it's really important to to communicate the trade-offs. Yeah. You know, and I, you know, as somebody who, you know, could be a miracle worker, I mean, very often, you know, we could, we could get a rush brochure done or something like that. You you know, it's important to let people know what the cost of that is because Mm -hmm. it's very easy to set precedent. Mm -hmm. Like, Oh, well you did it last, last week you were able to do this, Yes, you know? And, and I think also be selective about when you do that. Right. Mm -hmm. And in some cases, maybe get comfortable with the fact that, 
you know, I'm going to have to push you off. I'm going to have to say no. I'm going to have to set a boundary here because if you don't set and defend boundaries, or at least like I would instruct my team a lot of times, like if we were going to make an exception, Mm -hmm. I would say, this is how I want you to talk to them. Mm -hmm. We are making an exception this time because of this. And this is the reason why we're able to do this. Mm -hmm. We're going to be paying, you know, a premium to have this done. We're not going to be able to do this all the time, right? So that they understand and maybe they appreciate it more, Mm -hmm. right? Because when we perform miracles and we don't let people know that this is a miracle, they just start thinking that this is just a regular course of business. Yeah, because they don't see what ha- what it takes to, you know, um, right. make it go, make it happen. And right. how many hours you actually put on there, you know, we're invisible. Most work mm-hmm. is invisible to other individuals because it's, you know, it's a very solitary kind of thing. Even if people are waiting on stuff, it's still a pretty mm-hmm. invisible thing. So, right. uh, you know, we're at the time when, uh, you know, I, it's always like, what? you know, kind of thing. But I wanted to ask you one question about your book, Winning the Game of Work, Career Happiness and Success on Your Own Terms. You wrote this book out of your own journey of finding this. And what that meant for you was leaving your job and becoming a coach, because that's how you pivoted and used your skills as an executive to help other people grow and learn. But if I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm not sure where I'm headed, I'm not sure what I'm doing, what would be the one thing I need to think about that would make me feel like I've got this whole thing of a personal life and work and that to, you know, handled because it mm-hmm. just seems like every time I get one done, you know, something else over here breaks mm-hmm. or the game changes. What would you, yeah. what's the one thing from the book? It's so hard to to boil it down to one thing, but I think that what I, if I had to boil it down to one thing is that we are always at choice in our lives Mm -hmm. and it's very important to step back and decide what do we want our lives to look like? Mm -hmm. You know, what, how do we want to feel at work? How much time and effort do we want to put in at work? How do we want to be at home right? and start to envision what that looks like and then be responsible for the choices that you make. Yeah. You know, I, I do believe that there are a lot of people and I, you know, certainly this was me at, at certain times in my career that act out of fear yeah. rather, rather than out of intention. Yeah. And sometimes we can start to move into that gray area where, you know, we're fearful, like, Oh, if I don't work over the weekend, I'm going to get fired. Well, I I hear that from people. And I say, really, you know, you got a very high performance uh, appraisal. Do you think anybody's even going to notice if you don't put that time in over the weekend? Maybe you're going to arrive on Monday feeling more rested and you're just going to be productive, more productive during the week. Yeah. And then, you know, and then plus, like, what are you working for if you're so stressed out? Right. So I, I think really starting to design your life around what you want and not being worried about what's going to happen if you don't do that. And, and, I, and by- I think that's that's probably the, you know, I get executives coming in and learning how to communicate to other individuals' boundaries is probably mm-hmm. the thing that we, it's the toughest thing to do because emotionally it goes against that. I can get it done and achiever, mm-hmm. but it's also about understanding the trade-offs and what are you not doing? And I, and I think it is always about how do we communicate that? First, what you said before, what is it that's mm-hmm. bothering us? Getting really clear about it. 
then what are the possibilities? What can we mm-hmm. do? What are the risks? What's not going to get done? But then yeah. the last piece is really communicating to others. This is the decision. This is my choice. Mm-hmm. And standing firm on it and not kind of waffling off on those things. Well, Terry, I am sure people will want to follow up with you and to at least understand, you know, more about you. Where can they get a hold of you? Well, people can find me on my website, which is terrybmcdougal.com. I'm also active on LinkedIn, and my handle there is Terry B. McDougal. If there are people that are interested in marketing or just want to hear some really fascinating people chat with me, Marketing Mambo, my podcast can be found on all of the major platforms and also at marketingmambo.net. And then finally, if you'd like to check out my book, Winning the Game of Work, it's available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Oh, hallelujah. Day. Yes, I'm loving it. I'm <laughs> loving it. Well, thank you so much for sharing your time and your wisdom and your personality and your energy is absolutely great. Well, folks, you know the story. If we have had another time together, I hope that you have garnered some wisdom out of listening to this intimate conversation about what it's like to really understand how to balance success with our personal desires and happiness, and also managing this thing called stress and burnout and health and relationship problems. Terry's an expert in her field. I, I know that she, her podcast gives great ideas on not just marketing, but I'm willing to bet she's sprinkling a little wisdom in there about how we take control and make better choices for our life. If you like what you heard, please share it with other individuals. If you didn't like what you heard, please share it with other individuals because I guarantee it will be a conversation that will generate new insights into your life, new possibilities for better life, and that you will help someone else. And with that, see ya! Hey, that's a wrap. Thank you again from the bottom of my heart for listening to this podcast. Please leave comments below. I'd love to know what you're thinking. If you liked it, share it. If you didn't like it, share it, because I guarantee it's going to start a conversation that will help you close the gap. I want to thank the C-Suite Radio Network for hosting my podcast. It is the largest network dedicated to the growth and development of leaders worldwide. I'd also like to thank Ivan G. Hall for the music that you are currently enjoying. Hey, check him out. He's really a great musician. And finally, I have two other requests. One is, please, please, please leave a review on this, either on Apple or Google, wherever you get your podcast. And the other is, don't forget, please look up my book, Remarkable Leadership Lessons, Change Results, One Conversation at a Time. It's available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble in paperback, as well as Kindle versions. And with that, it's a wrap. Talk to you next week. Bye.